Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. I'm very happy to say that we're only about three weeks away from the next Ophthalmology Innovation Summit. So today we're going to visit with one of the more influential forces on ophthalmic innovation, Alcon. We've talked a lot about Alcon in recent podcasts. About a month or so ago, we discussed their uh, acquisition of WaveTech. And uh, in the past, we had uh, discussions from the previous OIS conference uh, about their partnership with tech leader Google to develop a contact lens that can do many wonderful things, including measure glucose levels. Today, though, we go right to the top. We sit down with Laurent Atias, the person who oversees Alcon's business development, licensing, and long-term strategy creation. Laurent describes life within Novartis, Alcon's parent company, shares whether or not Alcon has a preference of internal versus external innovation, and defines the risks and benefits of both, and he gives us a peek inside the origin of Alcon's deal with Google. Let's have a listen. And Laurent, welcome to the OIS podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, conventional wisdom suggests that innovation has difficulty existing alongside consolidation or aggregation or, or just larger entities. Four years ago, Alcon, which of course was already a large company, became part of Novartis, making it an even larger company. Yet you continue to make innovation a, a priority. How challenging is that for a larger company? You know, Tom, I, uh, I certainly we've seen in the industry uh, the challenge that uh, that you are uh, assessing right now. But I, I think we we may have lucked out a little bit in terms of our larger partner and and, and now the family of being part of Novartis because um, what I've learned in the let's say four years that we've been uh, associated with Novartis and part of Novartis is that uh, Novartis had a great commitment into innovation. If you think about the um, NIBR, which is um, the uh, Novartis Institute for Bioresearch, which is uh, based in, uh, in Cambridge, um, which is a large, large um, you know, entity that uh, Novartis has invested in uh, in order to um, invest in innovation, uh, we have, and we're benefiting actually from that organization because this organization has a wide span of work in innovation, including the eye. As you know, um, Novartis has been the leader in the retinal treatment with Lucentis and and therefore there's an entire ophthalmology program that we are uh, benefiting from some of the findings that this NIBR organization has. Uh, I can tell you also that the CEO of Novartis, which has been the CEO all along uh, of the Alcon Association uh, inside of Novartis, Joe Jimenez, has positioned the company on the high end of the R&D investment. I think it's close to 20% actually that we're in, that Novartis is investing a year uh, into innovation. And uh, quite honestly, without much familiarity to uh, the, the, the pipeline, the entire pipeline of, uh, of Novartis, I can tell you that some of the biggest blockbusters that Novartis has had and is having uh, have been actually in-house products. I can name a few, like Diovan, which uh, peak sales were about six billion, or Glivec, which was 4.5 billion, Affinitor, or 2.3 billion, I think it was, and then even on the go forward, um, 
last year, late last year, great news into LCZ, which is a, um, a cardiac drug, which has really catapulted also the expectation and analyst as what this product could bring in terms of solving for chronic heart failure patients. And that's estimated to be a five to $8 billion product, also all developed in-house. And another product, which is Consentix, Consentix, sorry, which I believe it's a psoriasis product, perhaps somewhat revolutionizing psoriasis treatment. And again, the projections today from analysts, what I'm told is about two to $3 billion. So I think we've joined a family, Novartis, who believes in innovation, who believes in science-based innovation. And we, Alcon, in ophthalmology, also have been investing close to a billion dollars every year uh, in the same ophthalmology field. Um, now, that's not to say that we believe that um, everything has to be in-house. Uh, we're quite agnostic, actually, as to where innovation comes from. And I know that um, our greater position today with OIS and increasing the partnership that hopefully you, you've kind of witnessed in the last couple of years, and I'm, I'm personally vested in that, is a demonstration of our belief that we should really be welcoming of innovation wherever it comes from, whether it's developed in-house or through um, you know, partnerships uh, with all these wonderful startup companies out there uh, which OIS pr provides a great platform for us to to interact with. Oh, we're very glad to have you uh, as a as a participant. You, you raise a great point about being agnostic, uh, whether it's coming internally or externally. But I wonder what are the, the challenges uh, unique to to bringing an external innovation in house or developing one internally. I guess my question would be. Is it, is it much easier to, to, to raise a product of your own and, and, and bring it up through the pipeline and you know it's yours and, and you, you know everything about that area? Or is it sometimes to, you know, easier to buy someone else's product right as it's crossing the finish line and, and all of the hard work has been done? Yeah. So I think that both avenues have their own set of challenges, right? Um, so I think that um, what I enjoy with, some of the startup community is the nimbleness that you um, often witness from the way they operate. And because the fact that these organizations are small, um, you know, may have also limitation as to their financial capabilities, makes them think differently and makes them be very nimble and makes them uh, really adopt processes that are innovative, innovative in themselves and often leads to breakthroughs that perhaps a larger organization with a set of maybe, you know, heavier processes sometimes uh, would not be able to, to benefit from. So I think that I see that as a, um, as a great opportunity when you go outside to, um, to benefit from that nimbleness and, and flexibility and agility um, in innovation. Now internally, what you what you do have as challenges is maybe um, this heavier process, but at the same time, that process also buys you quite a bit of quality at each stage, right? And there's a reason why that process is designed the way it is, and I think that uh, allows you to have a very um, disciplined process that buys you the highest quality also at every stage. 
and, and hopefully uh, with less uh, hit and miss, if you will. So I think both paths have uh, advantages and disadvantages, and that's why we're really agnostic. Now, the one thing that I'm, I am truly committed is to when we do um, reach out and acquire or are interested in a company, a startup, is to recognize that autonomy and autonomize that the reason that you, you are investing in this technology and that organization is because they've displayed that nimbleness. Last thing we want to do is to basically lose that advantage, right, and, and lose that. So the culture and the way they operate needs to somehow be um, implemented or, or, um, uh, or be complementary to Alcon without losing that spirit in, in, in the way the operating that the startup has done. So that's where we're being very careful today on how we integrate new technologies into Alcon and making sure we, uh, we, uh, we benefit and we uh, continue the same spirit uh, that those companies have, have, have achieved the success uh, through that uh, culture. Yeah, that is a that is an important challenge. We'll uh, we'll take a, a quick break and we'll be right back after these messages. Join the innovators, entrepreneurs, and investors who are changing healthcare at MedTech Investing Conference on May sixth in Minneapolis. The premier event in MedTech Investing will bring together the industry's investors, entrepreneurs, strategics, and regulatory professionals in one of the country's richest MedTech communities, Minneapolis. This must-attend conference will leave attendees with the insights and connections necessary to find their own sure path to success. To register for the MedTech Investing Conference, go to www.medtechconference.com. And we're back. Uh, we'll, we'll have a, a, we always have a, a broad range of, uh, of exciting startup companies at OIS, uh, and I wonder... What do you see when you look at those companies in the broader field of, of startups uh, today? Do you see a sustainable level of quality technologies that can really help fuel op- ophthalmology's growth? Or, uh, or are you seeing sort of a, a slowdown in innovation that perhaps is worrying? Uh, Tom, actually, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. I, um, I am actually fairly pleased with the level or the richness of uh, of the available technologies um, in ophthalmology. Um, I see certainly uh, more of an inclination towards devices than I see towards um, maybe more uh, pharmaceuticals or, uh, or molecules. And, uh, but perhaps it's because um, the greater big research engines, uh, even the Navarro's of the world or others, uh, maybe have not, have been less prolific in some of the applications of molecules for the key disease areas, whether it's glaucoma, whether it's dry eye, whether it's um, allergy, and therefore there are different routes that the startup community has basically directed itself because of this uh, lack of identification of new compounds, maybe, and in doing so, you are seeing a lot of innovations. When it comes to drug delivery, I mean, you see everything from, you know, uh, you know, punctal plug approaches, from nanotechnology and particles or droplets, uh, all kinds of wonderful um, different approaches uh, to drug delivery. Um, in the space of glaucoma, for example, um, you are seeing a multiplication of all the surgical approaches, and many companies are have, you know 
tackle this field, trying to solve uh, the management of IOP, intraocular pressure for patients with a surgical approach. And here you have a vast um, array of companies with different approaches, again, device-related, that are, that are playing there. Um, and then you have, um, you know, other um, areas even, um, uh, if I see uh, on the cataract side, or on the diagnostic side, uh, applying to cataract uh, or to VIT, where you, um, you also see some great innovations. We had the opportunity to, um, to uh, be interested in WaveTech, as you know, uh, which is a company we acquired last year. Uh, which uh, brings a new level into cataract surgery by enabling us to now help the surgeon hit the outcomes, the refractive outcomes that they desire or they, they planned for. That's certainly another rich area. Uh, the diagnosis, I think, of what happens in surgery, cataract being the example today, but really um, could apply also to VIT um, surgery or refractive. We're seeing also quite a bit there. Uh, we're seeing things in navigation and guidance, you know, the ability to apply diagnostics into a surgery and, and guide the surgeon on how to operate based on the, uh, the image of a diagnosis as well is something that, that I've noticed. So I think that if I look around all the different key segments of ophthalmology, I'm pretty encouraged actually with the richness of, uh, of uh, what is being worked on by all these startup companies. Great. Well, it is, there is a lot of exciting uh, technologies moving forward. And I wonder, looking, if you look, if you picture the ophthalmology industry 10 years from now with all these new exciting technologies coming in, in here, you mentioned nanotechnology. I think, I think the sector is, can look quite different than it does today. What, how do you view the future of ophthalmology in that, through, those, through that lens? Uh, I think so. I think that uh, there are some key things that we can look at. I think the... Um, you know, ophthalmology creates a lot of data and outcomes data. And uh, one can think that um, if you look at other industries and, and the capacity of analyzing that data and, and, and packaging that data to where it can apply to understanding better uh, the outcomes of a particular surgery, I think that cataract surgery will, will for example, will, will, will benefit from that. And I'm picking cataract surgery, obviously, because it's the largest surgery in ophthalmology. And I think that uh, technologies like WaveTag and, and others um, that start to look at accumulating data from the surgery itself and analyzing it and reserving it to the surgeon for the improvement of outcomes or the predictability of outcomes is something that we're going to see uh, continuing to evolve and take us to really a different space um, in new, re new heights in what we can provide our patients with. If you compare cataract to LASIK, we're far from the promise of, uh, for example, a LASIK uh, patient looking at uh, undergoing LASIK who can pretty much be assured to hit a 2020 um, refractive outcome 96% uh, of the time, for example. That's not where we are in cataract surgery today, but the technologies that I'm seeing evolving um, are gonna get us there. Uh, and so I think there's a rich path to this transformation of ophthalmology towards the outcomes. And then, um, and then we need to simplify it all as well. So I think that if I were to look at ophthalmology today, I think that there's a vast area of diagnostics and, but let's face it, it's, it's quite complex and only, not every surgeon can 
optimize um, and be able to absorb all this and, and figure out the path. I think we have a duty to simplify all this uh, for ophthalmology as well and making it more streamlined. So that's another direction uh, that I definitely see. And then the other big one for me as I look into drug delivery is um, will we go towards less reliance on, on eye drops, right? And, and then maybe tackle the issue of patient compliance. I mean, glaucoma is a key issue. We know that uh, taking drops and several drops sometimes, um, several therapies during the course of the day for elderly patients is not an easy thing. And we owe it to our patient to provide solutions that are less reliant on this disciplined compliance and allows for a freer and a better quality of life by being less reliant on eye drops, for example. So that's another big trend, trend the trend that I see uh, for ophthalmology. Well, that's one we're hearing about. In fact, it was mentioned in our last podcast with uh, Dr. Ed Holland. Uh, final question, uh, and this is a, obviously a partnership that's gotten a lot of attention, your, your deal with Google. Uh, we spent a lot of time at the last OIS discussing the arrangement, and if anyone wants to watch those panels, you can go to ois.net and uh, search Google, and you'll find them, uh, the videos. You, how different was that deal to put together than other arrangements you, you've had in the past? It, it seems like such a, uh, an idea that might come from left field that we should work with, with this company that really had very little, very, didn't have very extensive contact with the healthcare or medical device industry. How, how different was it getting that deal together, just the, the, genesis, the genesis of it? And, and where do you see it going? Yeah, so I, I think that um, the first one, would be uh, addressing the perception, right? And just like you're putting it uh, in your question, um, you know, you hear Google and, and, you, and you think uh, web searching and you think all the other things except for, you know, life sciences kind of uh, or uh, healthcare. And, and yet, um, if you're able to go and, and spend time and see the kind of investments that they've made in various areas and especially health sciences, you'll see that they've actually assembled a large organization dedicated to uh, life sciences um, with great access to, to capital, you know, thanks to Google's success, obviously, but also great access to uh, a lot of talent that they've put together. And, and ophthalmology is, is, is one of those areas. And quite frankly, we were all taken back and in a positive way uh, by the capabilities that we saw. And I could summarize them by saying, certainly the idea of breaking conventional um, approaches to prototyping, which maybe applies a, an acceleration factor that is really hard to replicate in, in, in traditional you know, healthcare companies like Alcon, Novartis, or, uh, or Allergan, or, or whoever. And, and so, therefore, watching this new approach of fast prototyping, very keen understanding of miniaturization, electronics, how to embed electronics to, to devices that are biocompatible, um, you find yourself in an area of um, a bit of a wow effect as to how actually the two skill sets are quite complementary. Um, where we bring in the ophthalmology understanding 
and then Google brings in this expedient breakthrough innovation, uh, outside the box thinking, miniaturization, um, and, and quick understanding of how to solve for problems with innovative approaches. And then you find yourself developing, you know, a, a glucose sensing lens or even accommodating lenses or contact lenses or even intraocular lenses, uh, thanks to those uh, really uh, quite breakthrough uh, electronics. And so, and then you ask yourself, okay, so what about the role of big data? Um, the way we were discussing just earlier, and you think of the computing and analysis power that Google brings to the to the to the table, and you can start maybe, you know, understanding the role that they may be able to play in the world where a lot of data is being generated for all kinds of diseases or all kinds of procedures, and how to make sense of it and how to uh, you know, guide and, and towards, again, the better outcomes and the better patient outcomes and, and serving the needs of the surgeon. So when you start thinking about their capability of analysis and collecting and, 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 and identifying trends in the data, you start to also understand why would Google play a, a, big, a big role in the future. So those are really the two areas. So, so is there a Google Labs that you visited that I have a vision of like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where it's just this wondrous place of all this cool technology going on? Or is it much less exciting than that? No, no, no. There is a, an entire building uh, of, in Google Life Sciences, which is part of Google X. And I'm told, and I think it's public information, that they may even spin it out as a separate and, and uh, autonomous entity, actually. And so, no, no, the, it's, it's real. <laughs> it has, it has, it has bricks and mortars. It has people and it has the capital. <laughs> They're going to sneak me in next time you go. <laughs> Absolutely. We could be glad to. You'll have to ride a, a very colorful uh, bicycle. <laughs> I can do that. Thanks for taking the time today and, and sharing your insights. Okay. No problem. Tom's pleasure. Thanks again, Laurent Tatias, for joining us on the OIS podcast. Tune in next week for another tale of innovation. And don't forget to join Laurent and me in San Diego at OIS at Assers. Go to ois.net to register, and we'll see you in San Diego. Join the Surgical Ophthalmology Innovators on April 16th in San Diego for OIS at ASCRS, where you will see and meet the leading companies and clinicians. The now expanded program features a showcase of emerging technologies to treat the most pressing anterior segment diseases, while also including plenary talks and discussions around business, regulatory, and finance. Hear what Jim Mazo has to say. I would tell you that OIS is now the come-to meeting in ophthalmology, and the reason is, is you're able to bring industry, practitioners, innovators in one audience discussing not what's happening today, but what's happening tomorrow. Very rarely do you have a meeting where you're discussing the future of an industry. You're usually talking about the presence. And that's why people come to this meeting, because they're hearing about things today that will impact our industry tomorrow. Visit OIS.net and sign up today.